Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. The Practical Guitarist Podcast is brought to you by Great Lakes Guitar Pickups. Great Lakes Guitar Pickups provides fantasy tones at prices of practical guitars to the world. Featuring top-notch construction, attention to detail, and a fully custom product, if you can dream it, Great Lakes Guitar Pickups can probably build it. Follow them on Facebook at facebook.com slash Pickups. Are you a regular listener? Why not? David here reminding you of all the ways you can participate in the Practical Guitars Podcast. Subscribe using your chosen podcast app. Review us on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. Find our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash practical guitars or on Twitter as at practguitarist. Support the show. Merchandise is available in our Threadless store at practicalguitarspodcast.threadless.com and donate to us via Patreon available at patreon.com slash practicalguitarist. Reach out to us directly via email at questions at practicalguitarist.com. Hello, Jim. Hi, David. Man, I tell you, this week has been nuts. Uh, my oh. my uh my room, you still can't see is uh the walls are exposed behind yeah. me. Yeah. Uh the floors are still missing. Nothing yeah. has changed. Uh except that it's all dry now. Hey. Well then they can get to work. Yeah. Um which I was thrilled about because I was concerned that uh I was still gonna have the humidifier and fans going. My house has been a wind tunnel for like the last like two weeks. You Not guys have snow. I can't. I can't even imagine. Snow's right gone now. already. It melted today. We got up to fifty degrees and it melted. It was. All oh, gone. I'm sure it did. I'm just saying that it's getting cold at night. Uh, yeah. Well, I got. I mean, we got electric baseboard heat. And it's still running. Um, even though the wall behind it is totally it's exposed. <laughs> it isn't even plastic. There's nothing behind it. It's concrete. Oh, good lord. Yeah. They, we had to pull the insulation and everything because you get moldy insulation and all that. So um, basically the entire front side of my condo, like two feet from from the floor to two feet up, is just completely gone. Um, in some areas, it's slightly higher than that. So, yeah, concrete, that really holds the cold out. Yeah. Actually, you'd be surprised. <laughs> uh, we hadn't been running the heat, and it got down to like 68 last night. Wow. And it was, That's I think bad. it got down to 28 degrees overnight. So... Yeah, my uh, whole my heat's only had to work like a couple hours in the morning before the before the sun comes up. Yeah. But it got down to thirty. It was close to freezing here the other day. Now it's nice out. Yeah, it's nice and yeah, I could literally open a window. Eighty degrees. And yeah, must be nice. fifties and it was eighty degrees. Let, let me know when that hurricane. Then hit. I got down to thirty-seven, and then I came up. And they were like, "What's the coldest we- night of the weekend?" Well, obviously not tonight because it's freaking nice out. All right, anyway. we're not a weather podcast. We're not what? a construction podcast. We're not. We're I thought a we were a weather podcast. <laughs> I thought we were weather. So let's begin with tales from Guitar Center. Yeah, yeah. We need to. We need to have some like music you can cue in. Like, woo, uh, I don't know. I want to go through all that trouble. <laughs> so, I'll, I'll I'll write something. So anyway, the so tales from Guitar Center. Not too many tales, really, as far as um wacky stuff because. Let's face it, you don't want to re- regurgitate crap that's happened before. But I do want to go into some of the things that I've been starting to see. But um, one tale, we've got a freaking 
thousand plus dollar amp on the floor. Nobody knows where it came from. <laughs> it's like, it's obviously new, but shipping and receiving, you didn't pull it in or right or something. Nobody, somebody unboxed it. Somebody put it there with the used amps. Random thousand dollar amp. Where'd it come from? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a eleven or twelve hundred dollars. Like, I, what is it? The twin reverb or twin deluxe or whatever. I I, I believe that's a uh, what uh what would we call that? I believe that would be a uh, donation. Usually, it's called shrinkage. Do they call <laughs> that expandage? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Expansion. <laughs> yeah, in the in the um yeah the retail world, it's called shrinkage when you lose. So, suddenly, that so, serial number, like you're tracing it back to Fender, and like we never sold this. Like <laughs> I had a relatively boring week as far as things that happened in Guitar Center, but I want to talk about customers that are not always right. So it, I had a like customer me. come in, like me. Because I thought the classic vibes were alder and they're pine. Yeah. Yeah, but they've got like 14 inches thick of um, uh, yeah. finish on them. It's so. basically got armor on it. Yeah. It's built with armor. It's got its own armor off. Well, we so <clears throat> we had a customer come in uh, tonight. And um, I was told this is a regular thing. Customer comes in and likes to go in. Grab an acoustic guitar, go into the back with his wife, sit down and 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 uh, serenade her. Okay, they, why they can't do this at home? Got uh, no idea. Because so they, this is how he gets the wife to actually pay for stuff. No, no, that's just it. So he grabs an expensive acoustic, sits her down, starts playing for her, but never buys anything. So tonight he walks in, walks past us towards the basses or drums or whatever, then comes back up, grabs a capo off the sh- off the a capo. Yeah. <laughs> a capo off the thing goes back into the back and then sits down. I said, you know, I said, uh, that guy just take a brand new capo into the back. I said, yeah. And I go, so I walk up and I'm, you know, Hey, is there anything I can help you in particular? Fine. Nope. We're just looking. Okay, well, let me know if you can find, if I can help you find anything. I'm Jim. So they go, if that guy pulls it out of the case, say something, because not supposed to do that. Yeah. <laughs> we have capos that we can loan, but right. we want to keep our new ones new. Nobody wants your germs. Nobody wants your, you know, unfortunately, there are people who it's don't want capo. your used. I know, but you don't know. You <laughs> don't know the things people return stuff for. No, that's what my point is, like. Why would he do this? Like, if they... <laughs> so I go back, and sure enough, he's got the capo on third fret. And I go, "Excuse me, sir. Um, you just took that capo out of the package. Are you are you purchasing that? No. Um, the guy up there told me I could take it. I said, "Where? Uh, You've been watching oop. him since he came in the store." <laughs> I said, uh, "I said I'm sorry, sir, but we have capos that you know will loan to customers." Um. I need to put that back in a package and I'll give you a new one. So I said, otherwise we've got to mark that as an open box, open package. And we got to, we've got to discount it. And a yeah. guy goes, the guy was like, Oh, oh. and so I packaged it up. Really? What we're worried about is him walking out with it. Yeah. So sure enough, give him the loaner. Guess what he does? Walks out with it. Walks out. With it. Guess what? And so the manager Not allowed runs, anymore. The manager runs out to the, to the, um, to the parking lot, waving his arms like this, 
and the guy peels out. You just drove off with $12 worth of stock. I mean, you're not even a good thief. If you're going to walk out with something, walk out with that acoustic. I mean, come on, make it worth your while. So now, yeah, we're not going to send the police after. Well, I just, uh, but, but, but I would, but I would bring it up the next time he comes in. Well, no, we, we know he'll never knock it. We know the guy that we all know the guy. So it's like, now it's, it's a bolo. This guy, don't let him back in the store. Right. That's what I figured. Uh, It over, but I don't get it. He comes in all the time to serenade his wife. This is your wife. Who I assume you live somewhere near. Question. And you probably own a guitar. Has he been stealing stuff all this time? See, that's what I'm said wondering. Anything. That's, that's, that's what, what I figure is going on. That's I think that, yeah. So anyway, yeah, that would, and then you've got the people who come in and can I help you find anything? No, no, we're just looking. And sure enough, the same person is with a different person every day. So I start to do a little sleuthing. Yeah. They're giving lessons, right? From the back of the store, giving giving freaking guitar lessons. Hey, you can rent one of those rooms, yeah, and you can you can give us a few dollars because you're using our area and our guitars. The Wait. least you could do is rent one of those things. Then you can bring in your own guitar, and your your students can bring in their own guitars. He's got them lined up, coming in all night long. Then we got another guy who comes in all, every week. He's got his earbuds in, walks up to an amp, grabs a guitar, walks up to an amp and neat, 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 neat for hours at a Spire 5. Can't choose one of the, can't take those um, earbuds that he's got, stick it into an um, amp that's got an earphone out, right? <laughs> no, let's not do that. Let's have to turn it up loud enough so you can hear it. Over what's in your earbuds. Well, I think we talked about on this show the one guy I met the one time. 120-watt freaking spider yeah. on insane setting or whatever so that everybody else has got to hear you suck. <laughs> I mean, suck. And <laughs> the guy can't even play. He's, he's there every freaking day. Look, if you can't play a major scale in a week, you know, of being there every single day. And he's been coming there for a long time, the guy said. You suck too bad. You're just not going to get it. Well, just the fact is he can't practice outside of the store. Yeah. Yeah. And so because he has to do the anything. same things over and over. Over and over. And uh, so then we've got, um, you've got dude who re- who returns everything. Yeah. The, um, I've seen some of them before. Yep. Everything they buy. Have you have you got a guy that comes in the store and mixes his so, rap, his albums on your uh, your uh, studio gear yet? No, we haven't. Had, well, I don't go over to that side, but I'll tell you this. So, and then we've got um, a person who comes in and wants to try every expensive guitar in the place. Oh yeah, and purchases zero. Yep, every time. I mean, it's just you know people. You can bet that the people that walk out of there when somebody like me says, is there anything I can help you with? And then they kind of, they get that, oh yeah. man, they probably want me out of here. No, I'm just wondering because obviously I'll sell you the most expensive thing in the store if that's what you want. Um, so a short guy like me who's got to go three guitar things up, I, I got to get a big ladder. Yeah, right. I, I got to pull the thing. Get the guitar down, and I'm old. I got bad knees. I'm going up there. I'm getting the guitar down. Oh yeah, can I try that one? 
go up there, pull the other one back, put the next one down. And then, and then the guy, well, I don't know. Nah, I don't really have any money right now. Well, that's good. That's, that's great. You know what though? The fact is like, just because they say that doesn't mean that's actually the truth. What it means is they don't want either of the ones they played. That's right. I just say it, you know, no, I think both of those guitars suck, but I mean, you know, so it just, you start to see the same faces and you start to see the same yep. progressions, you know, um, we had one guy in there, uh, let his kid pick off every guitar on the first two layers for every Jackson, every Dean, every Charvel, every Epiphone, um, half defenders. I mean, least you could do is buy some picks, buy some freaking buy some strings. No, walk out, nothing, nothing. And it's like, I know you just did that. So you didn't have to go, you know, with somebody else and shop for freaking dresses or whatever. You could just sit there, but yeah, it just, it starts to get on your skin because you're, you, you spend a lot of time. And, and so now I can tell you now that I've been under the, under the microscope, why it's important. It's important for a guitar center employee why they get a little irritated, spend the time with people that spend no money, and you spend a lot of time because you're measured by our dollars per hour. Yeah, and so if you spend an hour talking to somebody who walks out buying nothing, that's you're expected to spend four or you're expected to sell four hundred fifty dollars an hour. That's why I don't I don't get into like when I go in there. If somebody asks me if I need it, I'm like, no, nah, I got it. I'll take care of it because I don't want you to yep. have to spend extra time on me. Yeah. Because I, I know. Which that. is cool. I, I'm, I'm completely honest with them. Like, I'm not buying today. Like, I'm just here looking. And, I, and yep. I'll tell them if I if I find something I like, I'll come back. And I and I'll still I still will get stuff down for people. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. But I'm, Most I'm just saying. Way. Most people yeah, are that you're, way. Yeah. But your measurements, that's why the pressure is on us to – to get things. It's not that we want you to buy something um, expensive. You know, we just want to help you so that we can get, you know, keep it rolling, keep it rolling. Right. And, uh, you know, that's where, that's where, unfortunately, I don't care where you are in sales. If you're a lot of people are like, well, the mom and pop, they don't care. Let me tell you something. The reason the mom and pops don't exist is because they don't care. The ones that don't care don't exist because if you're not making money per hour, you're not keeping the lights on. You're not paying the rent. Right. You're not paying for your inventory. You're not paying for the stuff that comes in the store. Right. So you can be that way, but unless you're independently wealthy, you've still got to you've still got to make you know. But I did recommend a person was looking at, at pickups, so I did recommend Nick Bongers and Great Lakes Guitar Pickups. So I hope you got a call. Cool, cool. I've done that before too. In fact, uh, I have written his number on the back of my business cards in some cases and handed them to people. Oh, I gave him his business card. Yeah, yeah, awesome. So, um, man, I see. Basically, this week is the week where you're starting to see all the repetition, so repetitive behavior. Yeah, this is my second week. I'm already seeing the same things and seeing the same, the same faces and the same names and the same stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. I guess we can move on now. I mean, hills from guitar. So, so here we go. Um, let's talk about the. Let's first talk about the 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 what do you call it in the room the the elephant in the room this week. So I got an email and you got no. you got a little something. 
Let's hold off on that for a second because that's the, sure? I got that now. My that's next, yeah, no, we're going there. Don't right. worry, we're we're going oh, yeah. over that in in great detail. Uh, All right. So, with regards to last week's uh, topic, right? We talked about the Sturm and Iridium. I want to talk about that too a little bit, just because I, that's kind of come full circle for me, and I have some more thoughts and comments based on more clips and stuff I've heard. Um, but anyway, I want to talk a little bit about last night. Last night and open mic I went to. Um, I don't really have a whole lot. I I so I last week when we were, when we did the show I hadn't used my RC three the the boss looper and an open mic, so I went to on Tuesday and I had pretty much the worst open mic I'd ever had. Um, none of my loops worked correctly. Um, it, some of my loops actually had guitar on them, which was really comical because I queued up one of those songs. And I hit go and I start playing and then the guy starts turning down my my actual guitar volume and I'm literally just miming and I'm like, no, no, we can't do this. So I stopped the loop and then uh, queued up a different song. Um, but that, that was a freaking righteous disaster. And I was really ticked off with myself um, and was like ready to throw in the towel. And so... Um, I knew the big open mic around here was coming up this weekend. And so I, uh, I took Friday afternoon and I made sure all my loops were at the same volume levels and I made sure I had the correct mixes and I basically obliterated what I had done and put everything else on there. Um, added some new surprises and, uh, went out last night and actually I've done this open mic, I think two or three times now. And I had like a massive headache the last time I was there. I had a panic attack on stage. Um, and I didn't have it this time. Not at all. Um, and so I just want to say it was like a big triumphant thing. And I was really happy to do it. Um, and it was a good experience. And it just goes to show perseverance. If you're doing this stuff, uh, don't let bad experiences drag you down. Just kind of keep your head up and keep swinging. So. Uh, but yeah, so my comments on the Iridium before we move on to, to the real topics for this week, um, please don't tune out, please. I know, I know we talked about it last week, but there's, there's, uh, a little bit of additional information I want to put out there. So I, I took some time and I watched some, uh, the more prominent YouTubers clips where they were taking a look at the Iridium this week. Uh, I, I didn't really change my opinion much. I do think it sounds better than it did in the Strymon videos in some of these cases. Like, if you really want to see a good one, go see Rhett Scholes. Uh, he he got an Iridium as a demonstration thing. But even he was comparing it with the HX Stomp in terms of just discussing it. And it was pretty clear to him that the HX Stomp makes a lot more sense if you're looking for, like, an all-included rig. Um, or if you're looking to, like, slim down on size and stuff. But also, it's more flexible. Too. Um, I don't think he openly commented about the modeling accuracy in either product, but I think he was saying that like basically at that price point, it's it's more personal preference than than quality. Um, I have my own personal opinions about that. I think I think uh, there is definitely a noticeable difference in quality between the Kemper and and the Helix for me, and so I I would suspect there is probably a noticeable difference in quality between the Strymon and the uh, Helix. Um, but he also mentioned in his video, and this is the interesting thing, because I kind of poo-pooed you last week, Jim, but um, he mentioned that he thinks Strymon is is probably readying some sort of bigger modeler, um, like a big box version of that. 
with some included effects, maybe not everything, um, but at least to be kind of competitive with the field right now. Um, I, I, I'm still kind of on the fence on whether they're going to do that or not. Um, it, it, they have a very strange marketing mechanism over there. And uh, I, I made it very clear in some of these YouTube video comments that uh, I felt that uh, Strayman does an exceptional job of providing products that are very good for people who play like praise and worship or uh, who are more like pop oriented or like um, on the, you know, the lighter side of things. They do not cater to hard rock musicians. They do not cater to metal musicians in any way. None of their products, in my opinion, do that, except for maybe like some of their, I mean, obviously delay, a delay is a delay, but they don't put drive pedals out. Like they don't have a fuzz. For example, they don't they don't gear their stuff to be like metal centric or metal focused. You're not going to see Strive and come out with a metal zone, okay? That's that's the reason I was surprised by the name. Yeah, Iridium. the heaviest thing ever. The heaviest except, metal. Yeah, which is why I I I'm still kind of shaking my head at it. We talked about you know Amp One and Thomas Blue's product and everything, and just it was a bad choice. Whatever. We live, we learn. See, we see dumb stuff happen all the time. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, speaking of dumb stuff, um, <laughs> the the ten thousand pound elephant that uh, Jim was referring to uh, is <laughs> everybody probably received an email or you saw it somewhere. I know Nick Bonger shared in our group. Um, the the that was where I saw it. The prototype. Uh, not the prototype, but the uh, the teaser trailer for a new Fender guitar. Yeah. Um, first off, I you know I I kind of looked at it and I said, hey, maybe they're going to do something different. Uh, you know, maybe they're going to take yeah. one of their old designs and do modern things to it. And it doesn't. And then look I thought like not. That's what they've done at all. <laughs> so yeah, the, the the first thing I saw was I knew that they were doing it with the with the guitars and the basses. But what I saw at first, the way that the the reveal leads you to believe, is that the guitar is going to get bass like EQ. And I thought, okay, they're going to put like the controls of the basses on a guitar. Yeah, like a passive nope. treble bass system, like what's in the GNL stuff. That's not what we're going to get. So what we're going to get, and here's here's the thing. Okay, Gibson did this. With the Les Pauls, and it was a bomb. It was a, it was a big, huge poop. Okay, bucket of crap. Right. So now, you've got Fender over here going. Guess what we're gonna do? We're going to change the heel on the guitar, and we're going to, you know, put locking to it. All they did, really. This is this is my take on it, and I know there's some other things. But this is this is my prediction because it doesn't officially launch for a couple of days, as far as the, the official um, reveal. This is going to be a they're replacing the Elite Series with the Ultra, and they're going to give you the contoured heel. That's it. That to me, that's what I see. Lower out. price point though, right? With a slightly lower price. Well, nineteen ninety nine, right? Or is it eighteen? I believe it's eighteen ninety nine. Eighteen ninety. So I could be wrong on that, and and, and yeah. I could be wrong on it. So, no stainless steel frets. 
See, that's just it. Are we going to get stainless steel well, that's frets? Why that's a good question. Okay, so that was what that was part of my my angle on this this discussion. So Fender announces this new guitar, right? They put they put an insane level of marketing hype behind this thing. They're going to have a it looks teaser like, trailer for something they're right. going to drop. Now, wait, it looks exactly like a PlayStation drop teaser oh, trailer. Yeah. It's not like the PS3 and the PS4. Yeah, it's, it's like embarrassingly <laughs> similar. Um, and <laughs> I, uh, I look. Here's the thing. I you know you're going to get a contoured heel. I, that you know you're going to get. And you're going to get a sparkly color of blue. Well, there were some pictures of concentric pots in the video, too. Some sort of well, concentric the, that's, pot. That's what I was talking about, that concentric pot. But then again, that's the, the leaked picture didn't show a concentric pot. Is the leak that's a fake? Me. I'm thinking the leak is a fake. That I, I think so, too. Kind of um, like those leaks of um, the Tesla truck. When they were trying to show it looking like a it, – it's going to look more like a freaking utility vehicle than, than a truck. Right, right. Um, I So here, here's here's my, my hot take on this. Uh, if that is in fact what Fender is putting out, which at this point it looks to be because there's been two separate leaks, right, from different sources. Um, this was not something they should have hyped at all. This should have been a model change, maybe an announcement, maybe an announcement video, but not really like, hey, this is a brand new product aimed at a whole new market, and it's going to change the way you play electric guitar. That's but, it, it said it's going to change the way how, you play a how, Fender. How is it going to? Yeah, exactly. How is it going to change the way I play electric guitar? Right now, I play Strats. I, this guitar is marketed at me, right? Yep. But here's yep. the thing. It doesn't have any of the features based on what we've seen so far that would make me go, this is a game changer. Like, it doesn't have standing still frets. It's still using maple for the neck. It's still, you know, it's still got a headstock, of course, which is fine. Um, it didn't, I mean, it's got the same features that you're, which, what you can currently get in an Elite, which, by the way, is a right. great guitar. And is, is on sale for less money. Yeah. If you can find one. If you can find one, they're flying off the shelves. Of course, because everybody wanted them, but they were too expensive. Yeah, yeah, twenty three hundred dollars. They found the price point was wrong. Yeah, it was really that, wrong. That price point was wrong. Now, I don't mind them re resurrecting the Ultra name, the uh, the yep. the Ultra series. I think that's a cool idea. Um, yep. I do think it's a little premature. They came out. They were out in the '90s. I thought they were out in the '80s, but they they were running, I guess, from '90 90 to '98. So. It's kind of surprising to me that, you know, a 20-year-old guitar gets a resurrection when they've got so many other, like, model names and gears out there. Um, I'd like yep. them to bring back the heavy metal strap, uh, the HM The strap. HM. Yeah. Yep. Well, they, they, they did it for a year or something as the, as the heavy metal, and then it became the HM. They rebranded yep. it. Uh, and that's what they're doing here, right? They're going from the Elite to the Ultra, um, which, look. The main thing is, this is not really that different from a Strat that you can buy from any manufacturer um, because they haven't done a really great job of protecting their copyright uh, over the years, which is why you yep. can go get like a Nick Johnson model, right, from uh, Schechter, which is basically a Strat with a different headstock. Uh, right. Or you, you've got uh, GNL, of course, has their whole line of like legacy products that. Uh, Legacy and S500s and stuff that use the Strat style body now. Uh, those guitars didn't use the Strat style bodies originally, which is equally mind boggling to me. 
um, yep. that they they made the decision to move back towards that. Um, and I just feel like this is a this is a cash grab. This is a marketing cash grab. And this is really surprising from Fender of all people at this point. Uh, yeah, they seem to be kind of on the ball with this stuff. This is their first kind of faux pas. And I have a feeling that a lot of the people in the the gear community are going to look at this and kind of laugh and be like, this was kind of silly, guys. I don't think this is the first faux pas. So we finally got um, some of those uh, Fender uh, Strata, no, Acoustasonics in the store. Oh, God. I've had one person ask. Yeah, those those things were a disaster. And and you know what? You're absolutely right. That was another marketing disaster on top of that, too. They they made a big push to make it seem like those guitars were going to be revolutionary. And we knew they weren't. We looked at them and we go, those are silly. No one's going to buy those. Yep. Guess oh, they've what? been hyped up by the YouTube community. and the, Guess what, Jim? They the, are silly. And no one bought them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't think that I don't think they're flying off the shelves. I mean, I, you know, I'm just one guitar center in one area, but. I haven't seen a single one, so my, I have not seen a single person play one. My my conversations with various retailers, both online and in person, have all indicated that they do not sell well. And they made a lot of those guys. So if you want a good deal on a, on a crappy acoustic, uh, try to try to get a deal on an Acoustasonic because I have a feeling they'll be willing to talk, um, especially the next year or two when that line gets discontinued. Because I, I don't think it will last through 2021. You're on mute, Jim. In another Gibson move, you'd think they'd learn uh, something from Gibson. They they just said, oh, you know what? Nobody's buying them. Let's have different colors. That'll sell them. Different colors and exotic woods. Yeah. Different colors and exotic woods. That's going to Because the it. guitar that basically doesn't use the wood to make the sound of it is going to somehow be better by putting exotic woods on it? I mean, that's a purely aesthetic upgrade. And for the people that are buying Fender products, I mean, yeah, aesthetics do play into it, but I don't think I, they're more meat and potatoes than at least in my interpretation of the typical Fender buyer, which could be totally wrong. And I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of hate mail, but I don't think people are buying them for the aesthetics. No. I mean, yeah, they, uh, overall the aesthetics, but I mean, like not necessarily like, oh, this Fender with its Koa top is, you know. Right, right. No, I don't think anybody is is um, knocking down doors to buy a Fender acoustic of any kind. You know what? And I've seen a couple of them over the last few days in in open mics and stuff, and all of them have been pretty good. Uh, now that's, of course, you know, with the electric system engaged, so obviously it's not the same as uh, right, right. You no, know, acoustically, right. But that is that is a good point. If you know most, I in fact I don't think I've seen anybody mic up an acoustic except for for a classical in quite some time. So yeah, I mean, in a realistic use case scenario, it's probably okay for a stage guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The two hundred something dollar Fender guitars are fine. Uh, yeah. So, so it, anyway, so yeah, I, this is the thing I don't get, and we've talked about this, and I think Nick brought it up in the in the discussion on the Facebook page is guitar manufacturers need to shrink the number of SKUs. And we've said this before. Fender's got so many SKUs. You can't actually, I don't think he was talking about SKUs, Jim. I think he was talking about the quantities of guitars produced in general. Yeah. Yeah. And well, if you've got SKUs, you've got, you've got volume. Look, I mean, you could, you could, uh, no, I, Jim, I, I, I'll argue this. 
If they were putting out just a standard, they could still be making twenty thousand of them a year. I don't know why they're. I don't know why they're not just putting out standards. American standard, Mexican standard, and maybe an HSS model of each. And then, of course, in Telecaster, thin line, and then your good old Telecaster. The other ones, it, I know that there's a lot of marketing hype behind, behind it. Oh, yeah, so I, we had a guy come in, and he wanted to trade his guitar. And I, I unfortunately, I hadn't been having a good day. Guy walks in, he wants to trade his guitar, and he's talking to one of our guys, and he's like, geez, it's brand new. I just took it out of the box, and I, I can't get more than – you know, this is like a, a third of the price of new. And he's trying to explain to him, well, I can only give you, I'm giving you 60% of what I can market for. And the guy's all ticked off. I should be able to get half of what new price is and so on and so forth. And like, I said to him, I said, look, man, we can only sell it for a certain amount of money. He's doing his best, you know. Then when the guy finally relents, he doesn't have an ID. <laughs> I can't sell it anyway. I'm like, you're wow. driving around with an expired license and you're, you know. But anyway, so, yeah, it's just, um, it, look at how many American Stratocasters there are right now. Then you're going to add the Ultra? Well, it's not just, it's not just that. Like, it's it's literally the sheer volume. That's, that's my bigger yeah. concern. So, your average player, right? Somebody who's buying on the used market, um, who who's really just a player, right? Like he's not really into gear or whatever. A strat's a strat's a strat, right? He's gonna look for the woods he wants, you know, and and maybe pickups. Um, I had some conversations with some some gentlemen last night actually uh, at the open mic about about similar stuff, and it was like, well. You know, it's just a guitar, and I like the pickups that are in this particular one. And it's you know they they don't get all bent out of shape about having something super specific like we would. Um, but I wanted to point this out. So in 1996, right? How long ago is that? That's 20 some 25 years ago. Yeah, so, something like that. Uh, they were producing 50,000 guitars a year. All right, how many guitar players in this country do you think buy a guitar a year? Yeah, exactly. And and how many of them are buying a Fender a year? So a specific Fender, yeah. And we know that they've increased their production levels since then. I think what we're what we're seeing right now is that we're starting to see a bubble, right? There's yeah. certain guitars we cannot get enough of in the store. Right now, we we don't have any classic vibes. Yeah, we, we talked right. about that. No before. one does. No one does. No classic vibes. And we're waiting because there's a yep. lot of people who want that classic vibe. And I'm sure it's coming. I have a I have a theory on that. So let's let let's play yeah. this up because uh Yeah, I'm I'm sure they're coming. But here's the thing. And we have people who come in and they go, Yeah, I want American standard. Well, the American performer is the new American standard. That is exactly what happened with, with freaking Gibson. Well, you know, the the traditional is now really the standard, and the standard is now more of a, you know, well, I want it to say standard, but I want it to be the standard. See, I've never and, seen anybody get stuck on that, but I have heard people go, I want the baseline American model. I don't want anything right. less than that. Right. 
and the, and the thing is that the performer is now the standard. But people do say to me, I, I'm just saying that, that this is what I'm getting, but I want an American standard. But there is an American standard. It's kind of like, you know, who's on first, you know? <laughs> I They've learned explain. the lines after, tw- after 25 to 30 years of marketing as we do this and this. They blurred the lines, and I can definitely see that there's probably some consumer backlash out there where people are like, what the hell? I don't even uh, – honestly, if you tell me you're going to buy – was it uh, the Performer Series, right? I can't tell you if it's made in Mexico or if it's made in China or if it's made – because the parts could be coming from anywhere. Nobody – Exactly, and that's, and that's the issue right now um, is that the – is the performer, and of course we're going to have the ultra here shortly, but is the performer um, now the standard? And if it's performer is the standard, why didn't you just call it the standard? It's not like you have a standard in the line anymore. The problem was that they made it out to be a geographic-centric thing, and what they should have done is made it a quality-level thing and said, okay, so they did, they do, they're they doing the right thing now. The way it's marketed right now is actually a good idea. Performer, professional, and then I would have like connoisseur-level or something. Um, which right. would be you know the the top end and the custom shop stuff, um, and that's how everything should be marketed. They should have three pamphlets for when people come in the store and they want to look at you know they want to look at a fender like you ha- are you are you a beginner? Here's your beginner pamphlet. Are right. you are you a gigging guy or do you play in your house and like you've been playing for years? Here's the you know the performer level thing. Right. Uh, you know what I mean? Like. It, it would it would make a whole lot more sense for them to have rebranded that way if they if they backed it up with the proper literature and stuff to say you know what this is what we're doing now, and you know what honestly I think they still should have kept the names around. I think yeah. I think the the if if the performer is now the standard, which I if it's the state like the Mexican standard, what they should have done is just called it the standard, not a Mexican, just a standard, right? And then they should have had. The professional be the professional, which is now the the American higher end. Because I think most consumers don't. I mean, yeah, they they do care about country of origin, but I think if they, I think if they're being told that this is the standard model, it's like it's like when you go to buy a car and you tell them, I just want you know, I want the the base model, right? It's kind of similar similar concept. So I don't know. It's it's that's a marketing question we could sit and debate on this show for hours, um, and I and we've done it. Um, can I say one other thing though about it? So recently, um, what we, what we've been running into with, uh, um, with the guitars and the, and, and this stuff is the, and it's kind of the fault of the, of the guitar companies is that they've said, okay, we're, we're putting out this guitar. And so then they say, here, YouTubers, tell us what you think, which is good. Don't be wrong. It's a good thing. And then the YouTuber says, wow, this classic vibe, anybody could play this classic vibe. You could play this classic vibe in any venue, in any gig, in anywhere. So then they go, how do I convince somebody? You were just talking about this today. How do I convince somebody to spend versus what is it? What is a classic vibe? 600 bucks or 500 bucks? No, classic vibe is 350 bucks, man. 350 bucks. Yeah. 350 bucks? Are you kidding me? And then and then you're going to turn around and tell me, "Hey man, you know that slab of wood with a with four bolts and the that, that hold yeah. the deck out of the 
I've got one that's worth two thousand dollars. Yeah, because how am I? You tell me as a retailer now, as a person who is now representing your product on the floor, trying to convince somebody to spend that money in a way that other than give me more commission. How do I convince that person when in reality I know they could take that classic vibe home and play that thing? For most people, for most people, the classic vibe is all the guitar you need. Um, yeah. And and I would say the all right. So let's 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 break down like population dynamics. How I how I believe this actually works, right? So yeah, um, hundred percent. We start out with hundred percent of guitar players, right? That's people, yep. you know, from the basis of I just bought my first beginner guitar all the way to people who've been playing their whole lives. Um, and I would say maybe forty percent of them play on stage annually maybe and that's probably that's probably way over right um and so if you if you think about it from that perspective like to answer your question you know that other 60 percent that's where the classic vibe should be targeted right it should be going after the people that maybe don't play on stage don't feel they need to have like a higher quality instrument for whatever reason um and the, it's it's intended for gigging professionals, but I think the market for gigging professionals is a lot smaller than what people think it is, um, and I think the companies overestimate that too. Um, I think they think that those those markets are much bigger than they are, um, which is why we're seeing companies like Strymon go so hard at praise and worship, because though your typical bar band guy doesn't see that as gigging. That is, is. A, a market where people are actually performing with these things and they're buying expensive stuff because they want it, right? Um, now, not to say, and I, I want to make this very, very clear. I'm considering buying a classic vibe or lesser guitar for gigging yeah. because I want a beater. Um, and I'm not saying that that's not a stage-ready instrument. Like, I really do believe you could probably take them out and gig them. Um, what I'm trying to say is that the the creature comforts that you get from like a little bit higher end guitars, they're creature comforts and you can get by with the, the raw basics. Now that's where things get funny because you're, you're asking, how do you, how do you sell this to, to a customer? Well, we've already right. seen, um, uh, who's, um, Philip McKnight. He talked about the difference between a squire and a, and a, you know, like a conventionally made American instrument. Right. And his old thing was like, well, they use pop metal to make all the metal, like all the, the metal parts. Um, the the wiring is the cheapest wire. It's not even necessarily like the correct stuff. Um, the magnets are often weak. Or, um, they'll use different styles of pickups, like like the ceramic bar magnets underneath, like you had in your Affinity Strat or your Affinity Tele. Um, yep. and, and just basically like where they can cut costs, that's where they cut costs, right? Um, yep. And so if you're going to tell a customer this, you're going to say, well, this is substandard metal. This is, you know, and 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 automatically you're making your product look like crap, which that's, means you're not going to sell that product. And then you're also going to make the customer realize, hey, you're selling crap. Like, you're a scam artist. Yep. So you really can't talk down about any of the products. All exactly. you can do is I, play up the strengths of the higher-end instrument, which are diminishing returns once you get past a certain point. Yep. You ever had you had the customer come in and ask you yet? Um, what's the difference between this two thousand dollar guitar and that three thousand dollar guitar? Oh yeah. And then you're like, 
you're like art. uh yeah art art pretty much like yeah it's it's simple as that i tell them because this one is prettier i mean look at um and you know, sometimes that's not even true either yeah i'm gonna put prs no. i'm gonna put prs on blast right now yeah go ahead all right so prs has this thing called 10 tops and um if you know you probably know if you're listening to this show you a 10 top costs you about a thousand bucks more and it's supposed to be a highly figured um top right Right. but i have seen 10 tops that look terrible and i'm going why would anybody pay a thousand dollars more for that who's determining the standard for what a 10 top is prs is right right and Maybe because they thought the wood would look better based on their wet test, because you know how they do that. They like pour water on it and then look at the the figuring. Um, maybe if they, if they looked better when they did it, and then when they stained it, and then maybe the staining didn't go as well and stuff. Like then all of a sudden it looks like crap. You know when they get through their finishing process, and they're still they still got to reclaim the fact that this is a, a ten top, and quality control is subjective there. You know, and so maybe that guitar doesn't get cut in half and ends up in the store. And then you see 10 top and you're going that the the regular core model sitting next to it looks better. And I see yeah. that a lot um, from, that. from them lately. And I think that's appalling. Um, I think 10 chop. I think all the maple that they get, they should use as much of it as they can. And then at the end of the day, when they're shipping guitars out, they should go. That's a 10 top. That's a 10 top. That's a 10 top. Not. This whole thing of like bookmarking, we're gonna take these and we're gonna make these ten tops. Like, see them when they're done. It, it, it's simple uh, enough because it's obviously not what's going on. I mean, or, uh, or, or or whoever gets to pick them is like, like, hey, I'm gonna get some people today. You know, um, I don't know, I don't know that whole process. You've been to, you've been to the the experience thing. Yeah, you should. If you're going this summer. You should ask them about that. Tell them your co-host. Uh, tell him your co-host has a question. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just, uh, you know, a, a simple thing. When you look at the, um, uh, when you look at the ones, they, they, they just like you were, you were saying, they take the woods and they set them aside. And they go, these are going to be 10 tops. Yeah. How could you and know? Like until you said, you... How do you know until you get it in there and you get it? They, I, oh, I'll tell you a funny customer story. Customer brought back a guitar, a Stratocaster, a beautiful Stratocaster. One of the prettiest ones I've seen in a long time had some gorgeous wood grains in it. And he goes, um, yeah, I ordered this in. Um, and whoever painted it just did a horrible job. And they, and the, the salesperson's like looking at it, trying to find a flaw in the finish. And he goes, yeah, see how it's darker in these areas and it's lighter in these areas? It's a bird. He was talking about the wood grain. He was talking about the grains of the wood. He goes, look, see, there's all these squiggles and there's these, these lines and these circles. They shouldn't be in there. Those, that should be just one color. See, I do. This is why I can't do retail because I literally just look at that person and, and I, I cover your ears, cover your ears. I just like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> like seriously, you spent a, thousand dollars on a guitar online. and you didn't realize that wood grain could vary <laughs> what are you doing what are you even doing here that would be my reaction to this 
like like dude you're you're pulling my leg right like this is this is a joke right yeah I, that's what i thought i would last a week in that job <laughs> you oh my god it was just one of the funniest things i i forgot to mention that dude it was just one of the funniest things i'd ever seen i'm like you are kidding me you just complained about a guitar because you could see the grain he thought the grain was paint and that it was paint that was it was painted on that's i kid you not but anyway that's i mean that's what you deal with that's what you deal with and so if you're again if, if i'm if i'm in this is this is my thing that's my question to to um to fender though without me downplaying and down talking some of their gear tell me how do i talk up because right now they've got a thing going on where they're like yeah sell these sell these hiring guitars I, okay tell me how to tell somebody that's looking at it the guitars we've got right in front of them that are in the 300 something dollar and the 500 something or 600 something dollar sub a thousand first two rows sub a thousand you up to that third row and you're up over a thousand dollars Tell me how I'm supposed to convince them to spend that money when they see to them it looks like the exact same guitar with the exact same features. Honestly, I think you have to take the uh, the throw throw crap against the wall and see what sticks approach and say, okay, you're looking at that. Uh, you can't be looking at the classic vibe right now, but you're looking at an Affinity Tele over there. How about I get yeah. you this? Um, how about I get you this American Tele up top? And then you can compare them, and then you'll right. see how good that affinity tally really is. Because well, we ha- because it's reverse psychology at that point. You're like, oh, well, you're not trying to sell me the expensive one, but then they play it and they go, oh yeah, it's a lot more comfortable, and it definitely sounds better. You know? Well, you know what? You would think we get a, we got a customer in returning an affinity squire. Okay, <laughs> it's a telly. It's a telly. It's affinity squire telly. He's like, yeah, when I bend this string right here, he's all the way at the first fret. I don't know how he's bending the string far enough to go past the fretboard but he does and of course when it goes past the fretboard it frets out no no it it gets hung up on the on the fret wire because it's not quite you know the the fret sprouted a little bit right there little 10 seconds with a file done so he gets he brings a guitar back and then he goes doesn't spend a little bit more money Spends a little bit less money. Yeah, order that one in for me. Why did we do that for him? Get out of here. No, I'm just kidding. But I'm just saying that at that point, I'm like, you you do realize that every guitar from from Squire is going to have something. But I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything to him at all because this was obviously the guy that just wanted to save a few more dollars. Yeah, yeah. But now we've got to ship that guitar back. I don't know why. We've got to ship that guitar back. I'm like, just put it on the floor. It's $119. It's going to fly out. The, 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 it's a nice blue. It's the exact one that's in that Facebook, um, our Facebook thing. Yeah. The exact same one. But it's got a little bit of fret sprout. But instead of taking just a few seconds, it'll file in there. You know, we could have done that. There you go. It's all, it's all good. So, so wait a minute. The string is catching because of the fret sprout. Because yeah, because he's pulling the string past. As I'm saying, he's pulling it off the board. Yeah, that's gonna happen to anything that's got a little bit of fret sprout. It doesn't matter. I mean, hey, idiot, that's not normal use. <laughs> don't 
pull the string that far. Nobody right. pulls it off the board. What what the hell kind of sound are you going to make with that? That's what I was saying. I'm just going to go thunk. You might as well just, you know, take your finger behind the nut, bend the string a little bit, right? Yeah. And then palm mute it. Because that's what it's going to sound like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was just, it mean, was just fun to hear that guy do that. I, I right, right. So to, back to to um, the original thing here. Like, how do you sell guitars that are you feel are a luxury purchase? And right. I mean, you got to look at other industries that do that. I mean, I, the car industry is perfect because they often sell vehicles that are way more than people need. Um, and how do they do it? By convincing you features. that you need these luxury features. That's what's right. the problem features. with what's the problem with electric guitars? If you add features, people bitch and complain because oh my gosh, it's not as it was in 1950. <laughs> but here's the yeah, there's that, and here's the other problem. What features are you going to add? Seriously, that's a good point. I mean, I, and I, I was going to point out, but there are definitely features you can add. I mean, passive treble bass controls active pickups yep. um different uh -huh. styles of pickups um but see those aren't visual things and so that's where you would come in and say hey right. you, you don't like you know you think this guitar sounds too full like you want something more scooped get this um but but i think that even that stuff like i don't think people know what they want in, no. in a lot of cases now they may have some like guttural reactions like when they pick up a guitar and they play it like the neck and everything but they don't yep. know what kind of pickups they want in a lot of cases. A lot of huh. the people I know who bought guitars, I saw I saw a gentleman the other night and I and I watched him play. And I watched him struggle with a couple of things and I go, that's the wrong guitar for him. Like I, yeah. I I I I visually see what was going on and I'm going, he may really like that, but he's struggling with a couple of things and it's because the the shape of the neck is wrong for him. Like yeah. I I know because I I had the same problem at one point. Um, but it was, I mean, you, you can have those kind of reactions, whereas like, they're not going to figure that out for themselves and they don't necessarily know that anybody else knows either. You know, they don't realize right. that they, that they're part of their development is, you know, stunted because the guitar has too wide a neck or has the wrong right. spacing for their finger size or something like that. Well, most people are afraid to try more than yeah. you know, a couple guitars. Well, I'm guilty of it. I mean, look, I play strats and like I play strats primarily. I rarely pick up other guitars because it's what I'm familiar with. And I yeah. absolutely know that there's a lot of stuff out there that I neglect because of this. Yeah, yeah for sure. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's a weird, it's a weird situation to be in. Where, you know, and and we're picking on Fender here because obviously the, the Ultra is coming out. But um, right. but other companies are doing silly stuff like this, too. Uh, I, of course. A couple of years ago, Schechter brought, they, they built that uh, factory here in the U.S., right? Yep. And I'm going to, I'm going to spill some information that I've heard from, from a couple of sources. But basically they spent, they spent way more money than they had. They had uh, new investors come in, bank loan, all this kind of stuff. They built a new factory, and they had to produce basically fender levels of output in order to keep that place open. Now, do they care if anybody buys the guitar from Guitar Center? No. But I'll tell you what, if Guitar Center's orders dry up, that's going to be a problem. And yep. I've heard other companies going through similar shenanigans, and you kind of sit there and you think like, 
You want to talk about market saturation. If they don't care what the what the end user is buying, that they only care what the retailer is buying, that's a problem. Because eventually some of those guitars are going to end up going back if they're on right. if they're on some sort of consignment thing or if um they just don't sell. I mean, what, do you think Guitar Center is going to throw them in the shredder? Have you seen any nope. of that yet, Jim? Because I, I, no. I heard stories. You know that whole thing, that those whole horror stories? The only guitar I've seen go in the pooper, um, I was doing an unboxing. And when I say unboxing, I unboxed like Literally opening a guitar, cars. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I unboxed an Epiphone. The first one I opened up. The headstock. Headstock. Yeah. Right, right off. So they have you hit it with a hammer 50 times and then throw it in the garbage? No, we just threw it away. Yeah. So they don't do anything to it. Um I th- that might be people just having fun when they're smacking up with hammers. I think that's done in regions where people like to d- dumpster dive for the guitars. Um yeah. like where you know and they know the it. guitologist uh continually goes yeah. to the same guitar center locations and that uh digs through the dumpsters. So I'm sure that they're like, well, we gotta do we gotta smash these with a hammer. Like we can't have you guys be Yeah, we can't out. have this guy coming over here and doing this stuff. <laughs> So, yeah, um, but it's it's just funny to to hear some of the stories. And I look, and it's like, but I'll, I'll say something now that that I've been on the back end of it and seeing some of the stuff that's back there. I'm like, oh my god, I would not want to be in shipping and receiving. <laughs> Holy crap! I mean, it's just throwing away throwing away um uh cardboard, marking stuff oh, yeah. that needs to go on the floor. Putting stuff up on shelves that, that, you know, in the warehouse side of it. Yeah. I mean, just insane. Yeah. Well, people don't realize, like, how many cases are stored in the back of Guitar Center either. Oh, my I got, God. I got walked through there one time, and I was like, I was like, this is mind-boggling. Yeah. It, it, it really is. Um, because and you're not, like, storing cases for guitars that you have on the shelves. Like, yep. you're storing cases for guitars that you could potentially have on this shelf because you, potentially, yeah, I mean, or, or bags. Right. Those are the worst ones. Oh my God. You yeah, gotta yeah, find yeah. a slot for a bag and those bags just, they fall. <laughs> yeah. They're not gonna, they're not gonna like stand up for you or anything, which is funny. Cause I always thought they should just hang them. Yeah. You can hang them by the hand strap. Can you imagine how many hangers we'd have to have? You know why they won't do it, Jim though? Because there's too much now, risk what? if the hand strap gets ripped. Of them having, so, having product loss, that could be. Yeah, I mean, it's it's that's kind of silliness, but um. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, we had a we had a guy come in and he bought one of the um because a lot of people don't like some of the flimsy bags that Fender gives you. All right, so we've talked. So those tell us people. We've talked about saturation yeah. on this show before. Let's talk about yeah. guitar doomsday. So what happens if the things that we're saying are actually true? Which is that right. Fender and Gibson and the big the big guys are making too many instruments, right? And there's not enough demand, and so these instruments just end up sitting in a warehouse. Now we've seen this from Gibson already, where, um, and that was mostly because of the the uh, craziness of the 2014, 15, 16 lines, where those those guitars sat in stores for like a really long time. Um, in some cases, there's there still some of them that were in the store for like. Yeah, like five, six years yeah. later. Um, okay, so let's 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 make this like guitar doomsday. So what actually happens? Well, the first thing that would happen is Fender and Gibson would probably 
and it, and it would it would go one of two ways like like either guitar center is gonna is gonna fold first and say no we can't continue to order guitars from you guys or or gibson and fender are gonna are going to i mean i guess that's the way it really would have to go I, I, maybe there isn't a two strategy approach because gibson fender is still going to produce guitars they're not really i don't think they have their finger on the pulse of demand as much as they think they do they're they're looking at from the retailer perspective are our sales vehicles buying guitars from us um so if if that were to happen i think i think guitar center would push back first and say we can't take any more and then gibson and fender would have to start laying off people or and or axing production lines right and they might be able to they might have enough cash reserves to run a year or two um out of out of pocket kind of thing but i i know they they probably are both big enough that they have bank loans um so for them it would be favorable for them to you know tr try to slim down over those two years where they already know that their production's in the can um but i can't imagine them lasting much longer than that and even then you're still going to have you know you're going to have unemployment as a result of this you're going to have a, a a community of skilled laborers who who are going to be out of work um and then that's where where the trickle down starts for starts for other companies and ruining people's situations because now you got all these expatriates from these companies that are looking at jobs at places like Schechter or Kiesel or other places like you know the, the smaller tier manufacturing um, where they're not necessarily going to have a foot in the door because they got their people already or they might let they might let some of them in in which case then maybe some of their people are going out so ultimately it just trickles down to small manufacturers in, in different ways I mean that's one one creative one but I mean obviously there will be an economic impact there as well. If Guitar Center doesn't have the capital coming in from having all these Gibson Fender sales, you'd think that if they were going to cut them off, like there would be some sort of cap going on there. But it could potentially affect other sales from other manufacturers. Um, for example, the the business might grow somewhere else, or some of the mom and pops might see an increase in sales because people just simply can't get Fenders, um, and they might misinterpret that. Like this, and I, by mom and pops, smaller companies, they might misinterpret that and say. Oh, well, we got we got a, a hit product, and they start hiring people, and then eventually you got those guys are also in financial stress and trouble too, depending on how that that plays out. I think um, I will say this: the guitar industry is largely dominated by smaller businesses. Um, I know people think that you know uh, everybody's driving Ferraris and all that stuff, and really, I mean, the, the big guys are the big guys, and the little guys are really little. Um, and I honestly think that they would be wise enough to do kind of what the ammunition industry did when uh, there was the whole ammo shortage in the last couple of years, where they really didn't bolster production because they realized that it was a temporary thing and they didn't want to invest the capital because if they did, when it was all over with, they were just going to end up having to can a bunch of people and probably selling off equipment and machines and that kind of thing. So, I mean, I, I think... I think I think smaller businesses weather that storm a bit better, but they're also, you know, if the guy's not good at business, which we've seen that in the industry as well, um, they might make mistakes like thinking that um, somehow they're they're going to be able to take advantage of the situation. Um, do I think that Fender and Gibson would fold over a drop in production? Probably not. Fender and Gibson are largely um, they're a lot of their income comes from investors. And uh, I think Fender and Gibson are both publicly traded. I know Gibson is. 
Um, and so for them, they just have to look profitable on paper. Yep. And they got to keep their investors happy. Yep. You got to keep the, the stockholders. So happy. even if they cut down to a quarter of their staff, reduce their guitar production numbers to like 1950s levels, um, which I still don't think that's probably not enough for demand. Uh, they would they would be able to weather the storm, and at least at the bare minimum, there's intellectual property there, and you you could see another FMIC, you know, thing where they like sold off the company to some private company like Amazon, who continued to produce guitars under their name. Um, do I foresee Guitar Doomsday? But I do think that we are headed for some kind of rough waters and rude awakenings in terms of how much is produced what people are actually buying, what, what, you know, how much waste is involved in this. Cause that's the other thing I saw, um, saw on reverb the other day, a Stratocaster with, they, they must do something with an ebony fretboard. It was a strat with an ebony fretboard. Right. And half huh. of the ebony was light Brown and half of the ebony was dark. The reason why I'm pointing this out is because there were people in the comments, um, where this was shared, where they were going, this is the ugliest guitar ever. Like that ebony is horrendous. And I kind of stopped and I said, yeah, but you've used it all. That's why they're using this ebony. Because, you know, Bob Taylor had the sense of mind to go buy the only ebony farm in the world. And right. actually start using the ebony we were burning because it was not pretty. Um, because we were going to run out. <laughs> um, yep. So I kind of look at the situation and I say, you know. We don't even realize how finite what it is that we do actually is. I mean, we got Madagascar rosewood and Brazilian rosewood that are now starting to to dry. Actually, I think Madagascar rosewood is dried up. Um, right. Brazilian rosewood is, you know, under CITES for a reason. Um, and it's not going to change. And I know we can sit here and we can say, oh, it's furniture manufacturers, furniture manufacturers. Well, we're not competing for pine. <laughs> um right but but i uh i do want to point out that you know we do make an impact we definitely do i mean wait, bob taylor felt enough about ebony that he went and bought it so just stop yeah. and think about that for a minute like you buy that that guitar you buy and you sit on yourself yourself and just let it collect dust or just cram under your bed and you don't play it you bought it as a collector's piece you're yeah. not helping anyone you're not helping yourself because it's it's a poor investment. First off, unless it's a fifty-nine less ball, you're never going to make your money back. Um, especially if you're buying a new guitar, right? Um, and at the end of the day, I mean, you you've caused them to cut down wood, <laughs> which is not a renewable resource as far as we're concerned. Not in our lifetime. You want to talk about old <gasps> gro old growth versus uh, new growth? I mean. <laughs> It's it it's silliness. We we really need to take a longer look at what we're doing. Um, and now I'm not saying that you know anybody who buys a Squire is a bad person, but but inexpensive guitars like like the Indonesian guitars that we see everywhere now, they make millions of those things. I mean, not millions, but they make a lot of them. Um, in fact, I I saw some numbers about what Cortec actually puts out of their facility in Indonesia. And I mean, it was jaw dropping and you just kind of sit there and you go, yeah. how much wood was used there and how many of those guitars are actually worth playing? 
I, I was look I was trolling Sweet Sweetwater the other day because I'm looking at you know inexpensive beater guitars, and the amount of beginner instruments that get produced versus the actual number of beginners is pretty crazy. And if you think about it, um, online distribution is a big part of this because like when I was a beginner, a lot of people were trying to steer me towards buying a used guitar, which I should have. Um, and I think a lot of people should consider that as a beginner. But if you're, if you're say, let's say you're, you know, a farmer, right. Or you're a farmer's kid and you want to play get your first guitar. Well, you really can't drive the guitar center. It's two hours away or three hours away to the nearest major city. So what do you do yep. on Amazon or you order on Sweetwater or you order on musicians friend or guitar center. And, and that's my point is that this online distribution channel has eliminated the ability to order used easily. For your first guitar, most people are not going to buy their first guitar in reverb, you know. Right. But they'll buy it from a mom and pop where they can see it and put their hands on it. Yep. So that's why I wanted to point out, like, we need to start considering used as a way to decrease our dependency on these natural resources that we are that we are basically like bottom, bottoming out on. Um, right. If and realize that. Not every piece of wood is going to sound good either, and that's that's another whole conundrum. Um, I've talked about playing uh, with a religious a religious experience I had playing uh, Nick Bonner's uh, '90s uh, Les Paul, and realizing that just like the woods in it were perfect, and that's why it's acoustically so good. Um, yep. And realizing that that means a lot more than you think it does, and finding those kinds of guitars are rare, but we can't we have to build quantity to find a couple of those. And so, yeah, there's going to be a ton of garbage ones floating around on, on uh, reverb and stuff. Um, but we're going to yep. have to make do with what we have for a while. If we want to, if we want to start renewing these resources, so our children have the ability to have nice guitars. Well, yeah, I, I also think that because of what you're saying or what you've said, I think the bubble we're, we're starting to see that the bubble bursting. Um, from an from, uh, a, from an engineering perspective, yeah, definitely. I mean, Fender is literally grasping at straws at this point. Yeah. Acoustasonic, new guitars, the Ultra. Right. They're grasping at straws. Yeah. Yeah. They're looking for that next big, big ticket seller. And instead of saying, you know what, we got this guitar that's practically all markup. It's called the custom or the uh, the vibe. Yeah, series. Keep going with that. I I think, but I think that's Squire, not going to keep your American thing open. I think Squire could use one more guitar at a price point slightly higher, and I think yeah. they need to start producing more of their traditional stuff instead of these crazy like. All right. So when I was a kid, and and this is you know I'm I walked both ways uphill to school. Um, no, I when I was a kid, like I I looked at Fenders and. I wasn't really a big fan of Fenders. They didn't really fit the music I was into at the time. But um, I looked at them and I said, these guitars are all single coil guitars, you know? And I was like, I, I'm okay with that, except for a couple of fat strats and stuff they produced. Um, and I understand that their their original humbucker designs were not very good. And that's why people were, or at least a lot of people didn't like them. And that's kind of why they got a bad rap. Um, but I I also kind of sort of understood that that's what Fender did. And now I look at the Squire line. How many of those guitars have humbuckers in them? Like more than the single coil guitars. 
They're producing three traditional te- like tele skews right now, or four traditional tele skews right now. And then there's like the the thin lines, which are kind of their own deal, right? And those, you know, whether they have a humbuck or not, that's kind of their own thing. But then there's like contemporaries and stuff like that, and and they're all like double humbucker things, and you're just kind of sitting there going, "This is not what you're known for. What are we doing here?" Um, so you know, I know people say they can't innovate. And I agree because that's something that other manufacturers have been doing for decades. But let the other manufacturers do it. Do what you're good at. So that's my my, my rant for the moment. <laughs> yeah, I think, <clears throat> you know, Fender and Gibson are in a different place in that they have a traditional place in the market where PRS is, you know, the custom 24 and their and their single as cut. long as they're doing that but, they can experiment with other things right but they can experiment but they don't i how many skews does this prs put out maybe not very many maybe really 20 maybe i mean fender puts out 20 different telecasters with right just single coils and then four squires with just single coil. so it's 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 mind-boggling like the depth of you know how much stuff they're actually producing is just like kind of wild. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Yeah, I just they had you're right. I just they have a traditional place in the market. We kind of they have there's an expectation that that's going to be there. You know what I mean? Um, that that that's what they do, and it's really funny because they have this budget line of guitars, but they don't really produce a, a whole lot in the budget line that actually is what you think of when you think of that company. You know what I mean? <laughs> except for, here's the funny thing, except for the most budget of the budget. The Affinity Series it's is starting to look like a winner for me. Is a, is a Telecaster. That's a Telecaster. It's a pine no, the Affinity block is not of wood. Pine. The Affinity is oh. Alder. Which one's pine? Classic vibe. Oh, that's right. So you got the Alder, you all got the Alder body. And the maple neck, and it's and it's a it's a it is a standard Telecaster, and the strat the strats are standard strats. They may not have the best electronics in them, but we all know you can pull electronics out and replace them, especially in a strat. That's as easy as buying a new uh, um a new uh, plate with all the stuff built in. Yeah, well, so. That's the thing on the affinity. Not all the parts are congruent, and they no. they make out like, well, that's a that's because we produce more overseas. It's it's a we don't want these to be compatible with everything, so you can't buy this guitar and just upgrade the crap. Right out of it. thing. Is right, really I know the li- the the screws don't line up and all this stuff. No, yeah, I've well, you can't people. even you can't even replace the bridge. Forget it. I mean, it, it, it the screws are not the same at all. No. Um, so and that that was. I'm just saying it's it's a standard guitar. Sure, and it, and it's it's what you think of, and that it embodies the Telecaster in a very obvious way, right? Right. Um. It, I absolutely. And some of the performers agree with you. Yep, and the performers, the performer series also embodies the guitar. It there's a there's a performer um, Telecaster and a performer Strat. It's just nice and basic. Um, 
that also are there. That's your that's your American standard. So there you go. And then there's you got seventy five variations on a theme that we don't need. Right. If, uh, look, and that's look, what I'm look, saying. Look. The, these I get the are, HSS thing. These guitars are popular because people used to buy them, and then when they didn't like how they came stock, they would spend the extra fifty, hundred, two hundred dollars to mod them. But now you can buy them pre modded. What sense does that make for, for from the company's perspective of how they're going to capitalize on this? They could produce guitars more cheaply and make better profits by charging right. the same prices they do right now and eliminating SKUs. Right. That's business. Absolutely. That's how business works. And it's a great business model. You could you could not you, but Fender could literally put out an HSS and an SSS of the Stratocaster and it, and an SS and if you want to an HH of the Telecaster and be done with it. I, I, I in each line, one from Mexico, one from the states, and one from. You know, oh well, they got to have a Ventura series too because. Oh yeah, everybody wants a '70s Strat with a three bolt neck. No, they don't. Does anybody remember? It's just like when when uh, it boggles my mind. I've got a 1972 Les Paul. I want to sell you. You can keep that thing because that's Norland era, and and it's like, <clears throat> um, same now thing. they're getting popular. People like them. No, they yeah, they're getting popular because people are well, are going because people are speculating they're going to be worth money, and then and then they'll sit there and say, oh well, it's a great player and it sounds good and whatever, and and it, maybe it does. I'm sure because it's just like the 70 strats. I'm sure some of them are great because I because yeah. I played a couple that were pretty damn good, but I played a lot that were dog crap too. Um, and so you kind of got to wonder like how much of this is just speculation and collectors. That's yeah, and that's what you've got to say about anything that's CBS um, strat. Well, they you know they, Fender obviously feels that that this vintage reissue thing makes them money. They made the Vintera series again instead of just nixing it and saying I'm not doing it anymore. Um, and I think there is probably some credibility to that. But I but I also think that at some point it's like if you really want a guitar that's like the 50s, you know, like a 57 Strat, go cut, yeah. go to the custom shop. Yeah, you know that that's relatively inexpensive. Well, and that that that's another thing. I think if they made the custom shop slightly larger and more like a Kiesel way, where they could have like you know more than 15 people working there and have more like 30 people working there, they could probably lower the custom shop costs and, yep. and introduce a product. That's like, Hey, you want that fifties neck and this sixties body with a, you know, with these pickups, just kind of like what Kiesel does. It's going to be too grand, but it's going to give you everything you want. And then, then you don't have to worry about this, this modding like parts caster stuff that they're trying to, they're trying to compete with because that's what I'm seeing. Like, they're trying to compete with the modding community. And I mean, I get it. It's it's a viable business model, I guess, but only so long as you can produce guitars cheaply enough that the modding community still exists. I mean, let's face it. Nobody's going to mod a mod a guitar that's going to cost them a $3,000 initial investment on the guitar, right? Like not, right. they're not going to buy a Les Paul for thirty five hundred bucks with the intention of taking it home and then and then gutting it and starting from scratch. But I've seen plenty of people buy like you know the lowest model Fender or the lowest model or the higher model one of the high, well any of the Squires really, and then take them and put new bridges on them 
and replace the tuners and gut the electronics from day one. Like I've seen people do that stuff where they don't even play it. They literally just rip the strings off of it, you know, and start gutting it. Um, I don't really see that as much with, you know, like a $3,500 guitar because I yeah, think no. people are, have a little bit more sense than to take it home and just trash it. Um, not trash it, but you know what I mean? Um, to, to take it apart. Um, it's like Joe Bonamassa says, you know, we've talked about him on the show plenty. Um, but he says, don't modify a guitar unless you're not happy with it. Like if, if don't chase something that it's not like, don't sit there and think, Oh right. man, I really wish it did this and then go and mod it because then you're just going to end up ruining what it did originally. Yep. Then he talk about, he talks about not wanting to take necks out of pockets and stuff because yeah. even the datum, because he's like, if the guitar plays good, like why would I want to take it apart and risk, you know, losing some of that magic. Um, and I have had guitars where you take the neck out of the pocket you put it back in and you go, it's not as good as it was. Oh yeah, for sure. And it, it, uh, it does get a little, um, uh, it's easy to see, honestly, why people would do what you're talking about. They, they, Go online. Most people who walk into the guitar store have have gone to YouTube. They've gone online. They've watched a few YouTube channels. Those YouTube channels have told them to do exactly what you're saying. Yeah, and I think that's a bit of a misnomer too, because um, we we talked about and we've done various modifications to the the Red Unicorn and stuff. Um, we 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 operate under the assumption that when we hear oh modifying, I can do it more cheaply than if I were to buy it off the shelf, and Actually, it tends not to be the case. Uh, modifying a guitar is expensive unless you're buying used parts or junk parts. Um, I'm sorry, but going to Guitar Fetish and getting their stuff and then saying it's going to be any better than what you're going to get from Squire already, it's, it's a toss up. Um, you know, I, and I've seen that where it's like, well, I'll just get my parts from Guitar Fetish. Well, okay, great. I mean, you've got zero resale value in those parts and um who's to say what the quality level is until you get them it's not like you can go to the store and try them out but i but i will say this like um if you were to do it with quality parts like the well-known brands and stuff you could easily drop five or six hundred bucks upgrading your your uh affinity telecaster you know yep and that's doing the work yourself babix bridge uh the greg cock fishman's because that's kind of what i was looking at doing and then uh, locking tuners and, you know, even potentially like on down the road, putting a B bender in it. I mean, that B bender will yep. cost 600 bucks. So, yeah. um, which, which is probably, probably not going to happen in the Squire. I would, I'll probably keep the Squire stock at some point. If I play enough of this stuff, I'll, I'll go and get a, I will go get a higher end uh, Telecaster and put a B bender in it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we've been talking about Telecasters a lot because my my interest in Telecasters. <laughs> I mean, we should um, we should back up for a minute and think about the, how this stuff applies to other guitars. So I, I'm not, and that's the other thing is I don't like Squire. I don't look at Squire that much, so I'm not even sure what they're producing on the Strat side. But I know the last time I looked, it was the crazy stuff again, like you know, triple humbucker Strat and like triple humbucker strat with floyd and you're like this is not what people buy strats for i mean no um i i just wonder how many of those guitars they're selling um now i know back 
back in the 90s, um, really late 90s, Squire was used as like a test bed for emerging markets for guitars. So like um, we were talking about seven string strats because I was kind of hoping that this uh, this new Ultra would be like a more modern take on a, um, a Stratocaster, right? Like sculpted heel, uh, probably compound radius, stainless steel frets, uh, locking tuners, um, a a good bridge, like a really solid new design for Fender bridge. Um, but it doesn't look like you've done any of that stuff. Um, again, jury's still out. We'll see. We'll see when this announced, I guess tomorrow, right? Um, um, Tuesday, Tuesday, um, Tuesday. Yep. So the reason why I, uh, I, I'm kind of curious as to why, or why, why I'm bringing this up. They did the, uh, they did the stage master series, right? Which were square stage masters are Floyd Rose. Seven, they had a six and a seven string guitar. Some of them were even set neck. And um, I can remember playing a couple of them and being like, wow, they put a lot of work into these guitars. But now I know why, because they were testing the waters to see whether somebody would buy a seven string strat or buy yeah. a seven string like, you know, or, or any of that kind of expanded range stuff that was going that was real popular back then. And I, I guess they decided it didn't work out for them um, because to my knowledge, they haven't produced a seven string since then. Um, no, I in either the so. Fender or the Squire line, um, other than Custom Shop, I've seen Custom Shop seven string, but you're gonna yep. pay to get that because that's not something. Um, and I think that's that's kind of funny. Like they're they're a company that tries to be all things to everyone, except for the expanded range crowd. Now they would argue, well, we have Charvel and we have um, Jackson for that, but I don't really want a Charvel or a Jackson. I want a more traditional guitar with a seven string. <laughs> you know, um, so it's kind of weird because I I look at that and I'm kind of like, well, you, you're missing a big portion of the market that does exist. Uh, Kiesel, yeah, exactly. Kiesel sells a lot of the. Um, what is it? The the new one they came out with uh, uh, that has the Delos in seven string configurations. Yeah. And it's and and I've seen people spec them with just single coils. And you kind of sit there and go, somebody wanted it. Clearly. Um, I don't know how many people want a, you know, a single coil in the bridge uh, humbucker in the neck Telecaster. Um, it's been something that and, and actually I have some evidence to back that up, too. I've been looking at GNL ASATs and the uh, the uh, Blues Boy, which is a, a neck humbucker bridge bridge uh, uh, single coil. Yep. <laughs> those go those go for way less than their than the cheaper one new, like the the uh, classic or whatever. ASAT Classic is like a hundred bucks more used, which is really quite funny when you think about it. It's just people don't want that configuration. I'm not saying that there's not a market for it. I'm just saying it's not as popular. Um, and I think that, I don't know. I just feel like they don't service all markets like they pretend to. And this whole thing with them, uh, they, there was a news story last week about them um, endorsing more, more female Fender artists this year than they had in the company's like 60 year history or 100 year history. Like, I may maybe call me crazy, but 
maybe that's not a statistic you want to draw attention to. Um, if I were in your marketing department, I would be kind of like, eh, let's make us look kind of bad for the last 50 years. Yep. <laughs> um, because it's not like female guitar players weren't around. They weren't around in numbers, sure. And they're probably, you know, they probably account for a significant portion of sales today. Um, so let's let's encourage them by saying, hey, we didn't support you before, but we do now. Um, no, I don't think it's going to work out too hot. I, I think that, I think the better, uh, the better way to present that would have been we're, we're, you know, making inroads and we're going to have a significant addition of women to our, um, our roster with no mention of prior. <laughs> it just seemed yep. kind of funny. It was like, let's, let's twist the knife in her own back. <laughs> um, I, how do you, how do you feel about that? I mean, like we, we've done our women in music segments, obviously Jim and I, um, we, support women in music um but how do you feel about like a company using that as a marketing tool that they're going to endorse more women so therefore women should be more attracted to buying their product uh, you know i think that the if you don't have that it's not going to happen if you don't have women playing the product it's not, it's just not going to happen. Well, I think, um, and I see a lot of women coming in to buy guitars. So, well, that's good. I, it's there. I think, I think it absolutely, market is there. I, it absolutely does have to happen. I'm just questioning whether the endorsement needs to have, and I mean, hear me out. I'm questioning whether the endorsement needs to happen because, uh, because, Fender wants to generate sales, or does the endorsement need to happen because Fender needs to encourage women to not feel like they shouldn't, you know, be seen playing an electric guitar? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. I agree. Um, I think I think it's a perception issue that that like, oh, they're doing this as a is a token thing because they're trying to generate sales, when in reality. It's it's a necessity at this point because they feel like they can't come out of the shadows, and you know because let's face it, a a, a large portion of the guitar playing community, who who remain who remain nameless, um, like to send dick pics, <laughs> and, yeah, you know, and sexually yeah. harass women. Um, it's yep. like it's like women who are into cars. They're out there. You just don't hear oh, yeah. about them a lot because. They don't want guys to know they're into cars because that's when they get harassed. <laughs> um, yep. Yeah. So hopefully we can change that. Hopefully uh, my generation and, and uh, you know, the remaining people from your generation who haven't died already because <laughs> Jim, Jim is officially older than dirt. Um, yeah. <laughs> Slightly. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm only teasing you, Jim. Um, no, I hope that I hope that everybody can kind of see this as a positive And nobody looks at it and goes. Well, yeah, but no, I'm not going to be represented like, you know, some incel thing or whatever where, oh, I and I, I honestly, I looked at it and I, and I thought about a few guitar players I know who would be like, yeah, but they're probably going to stop producing this because they're going to do more female signature models this year. Yep. <laughs> it's like, okay, whatever. I'm not, honestly, um, the signature model thing at Fender, I don't think anybody needs a signature model Fender because they're all very cookie cutter. Even the signature models are not night and day different from one guitar to the other. Um, I've owned a signature model. 
Um, I think they do have different appointments. I, I definitely do think that they are different, but I just don't think it's like it's earth shattering to the point where it's like, well, I'm not going to buy anything but a Clapton signature. But I do yep. know people who are like that. And so my hat's off to them. You obviously see something I don't. That's right. Absolutely. So. Now. All right. Are, well. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. There are there are definitely variations where I think you know, like if you're going to change the radius on the guitar or something like that, but mo- the right. vast majority of them are 9.25 inch radius, different pickups, different finish combinations. Yep. No point. <laughs> None. So anyway, None. we were going to try to keep it a short episode tonight. Um, yep. If anything happens with the ultra, maybe we'll, maybe we'll do a short one. If we can, if we can uh, swing it um, just to talk about what the ultra is like when it comes out. Um, but yeah, um, I was trying to think of something to involve the group because uh, I think we I think we need a group involvement thing. Oh. All right, weigh in. Should I get which which of the Squire Telecasters should I buy? Just and and explain why. Right, just post in the group. Let me know. Let me know your thoughts. Um, and then when I finally decide whether I'm actually going to buy one, and I do actually buy one, well. You, you'll have some vindication if you select the one for me. Yep. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're going to weigh in right after this podcast is what you're going to do. So. All right, man. Uh, I've been David. And tonight we've been the Practical Guitarists. <laughs>